Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If life is a mystery waiting to be solved... Why do people keep seeking solutions in all the wrong places? Haven't you heard? The answers lie within. Master alchemist Debbie Unterman believes she has the key. After four decades of delving into people's minds, she's here to help you discover the secret. The journey begins by learning to love the voices you hear in your head. What are we waiting for? Let's begin. Here's Debbie. Hello, this is Debbie Unterman with Love the Voices on Bold Brave TV. Thank you for tuning in, streaming, listening, however you're getting this. I'm glad to have you with me. And I hope that you've been following for the last few weeks because we are ready for a big reveal today. I've been slowly telling you how not to seek love in all the wrong places, because love is what makes the world go round, but sometimes you're on a merry-go-round and you can't get off. So I kind of let you know how this cycle that is often called codependency. And, you know, some people are bored with that line. They don't understand it. They don't care about it. But, you know, it works because there is a dependency on someone else instead of yourself. Now, what would be better than that? We could call it co-creativity. I've also heard it called orbiting in love, where two people are in their own orbit and the orbit comes together for that little spot, but they have their own lives. And it's not what I call a lean-to, where you are dependent and if the other person takes their support out, you go boom. Now, I haven't presented the other metaphor I use a lot, and this will become important, and that is when you get off. Now, so far, I've called it a cycle. It is a cycle. It is a triangle. 
we keep going into the three characters of the triangle. But if you're doing it with one other person, let's imagine it right now as a seesaw, right? So it's just you and one other. And you know how a seesaw goes up and down and the weight of it, you know, has to be even. And what happens if one person gets off while they're on the bottom and the other's on the top? Boom. The person on the top gets hurt, right? And and not only that, they're kind of shocked. They can get angry. They can chase you down on the playground for doing them dirty like that. You know, when they thought you were playing nicely. And that's how codependency goes. You play it nicely because you're all into doing your role. So that's the problem, is those roles don't always suit you and they can lead to no good. So we've gone through it a million times. We're going to go through it a million and one and probably two million. Um, So I'm not done with explaining it yet. But what I'd like to do right now, because I do have my guest, Asha Lightbearer, who has been with me for most of this past month as we've been slowly unwinding what happens, explaining it very slowly. Right now, I just want to finish up because, you know, everything that I'm doing for this past, uh, since October, has been from my book, Talking to Myself, Learning to Love the Voices in Your Head. So I've been going chapter by chapter. I hit chapter seven, which is the beginning of codependency. Um, What a tender web we weave. And it goes into chapter eight, the tender trap, and continues about codependency. So the very end of chapter seven that we introduce the three characters and the triangle, the rescuer, the victim, the persecutor, and started getting into the idea of the protector. I would just like to read my summary from that chapter because what I've been doing for the past few months since October, going through my book chapter by chapter, is mostly um, reading the very end, which has been a little exercise that you can do. So I don't do the exercise until the end of chapter eight. And what an exercise it is. It is a codependency quiz. So you can actually see how you land on the cycle. And, you know, I I know there are some people out there who have my book. Like, for instance, my own brother, who I know watches. So if you ever want to follow along, we are on the end of chapter seven, which is page 134. Okay, so at the bottom of page 134, if you would like to follow along, here we go. What I'm gonna do is an example of how it works. So I say, for instance, a husband is doing something his wife doesn't like, that makes her feel victimized, right? That's one of those, I call them horses, you know, or we could call them three blind mice. 
following each other around, horses on a merry-go-round. That's one of them, the victim. In the blink of an eye, she gets mad at him, making her the persecutor, while he now becomes the perceived victim. Then his friend comes over, and the husband rants and raves about what a witch his wife is and becomes the persecutor himself. But when his buddy chimes in, trying to play the rescuer to appease him, he inadvertently has jumped in on the rescuing bandwagon. The husband hearing this, you know, yeah, your wife is a witch, isn't she? Oh, you don't say that. Suddenly changes his tune and comes to his wife's defense, becoming her rescuer. As soon as he hears her being victimized, he might even turn around and begin persecuting his friend, making him the new victim. How dare you talk about my wife that way? You know, your wife ain't such a, you know, a beauty either, whatever. <laughs> this is how the codependency cycle keeps us riding the merry-go-round. It's so ubiquitous that it goes right past us without thinking anything of it. Did you hear how many characters I just identified there? Within probably two minutes, that would that conversation would take place. Okay, we're going to do another one. When Asha comes back in, we're going to do another one and break that one down. And that's going to be fun. So just be prepared for that. But meanwhile, um, what I'm saying here on page 135 is without any stopgap measures, However, codependency can spread quickly. Just as gardeners learn when trying to get rid of a yard full of thorny bramble bushes, if you just clip the branches, they'll grow back and continue to invade everything around them. And the longer you let them go without even clipping them back, the bigger and more dangerous the thorns become. When you trace them down to their roots, which I used to do, on walks with my dog um, in the neighborhood. We had a lot of those and I would sometimes, I felt like a gorilla gardener. I was protecting the trees and the little plants that were trying to grow. And I found, because I didn't take my garden gloves with me on my walks. And if I would just touch it, it would hurt. But if I went all the way down to the dirt and got that dirt in my fingernails, but was way down there by the roots, the thorns are very, very small. I could do it with my very, very sensitive fingertips um, without getting the thorns in me. But what would happen then? I would pull and it would break my back if I just pulled. So you find that the roots have spread in all directions and it can hurt your back to attempt to pull them out by hand. Thus, an impossible task. However, if you dig a little deeper and concentrate on pulling out one lateral root at a time, the job becomes easier. And in a short while, the pesky plant can be eliminated forever. And that's what I would do. So I'd go down there and you can't get that tap root out right away because it has gone way laterally all over the place. It, it's amazing. So if you start pulling those out slowly, and then you have this huge amount of, you know, underground roots, then it will come out. 
and you have gotten it out by the roots. You haven't just clipped it so the thorns keep growing again. A lot of people do that in gardening. Now, I'm not even making a metaphor anymore. So, you know, I've had a little bit of a gardening business, so I I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Um, Back to codependency. Since the 1980s, Melody Beattie, the author of Codependent No More and Beyond Codependency, as well as Robin Norwood, who wrote Women Who Love Too Much, have been leaders in bringing this widespread problem to light and explaining how it affects women, especially in their relationships. Readers are enlightened with tremendous psychological and emotional understanding. I will often have my clients when they use words like I think, I know, I understand, it's all in the head. I feel it hurts me, that's body. So just knowing these things doesn't mean you are actually changing them. So they might understand this vicious cycle and are asked to own it in themselves even as their first step to ending it. Yet they fall short in specifically outlining a clear model for reversing the purpose perpetuation of the cycle and helping people untangle from it forever. It's as if they're showing you the depth of the roots of the pervasive weed and warning you of the danger of its thorns, but recommending that you just keep clipping the branches whenever you find them growing back. Their solution for ending it amounts to suggestions of long-term therapy, right? and practically a lifetime commitment to a 12-step program for group support. The same course of healing that's used for eating, drinking, and sexual addiction, which is what they see codependency as, instead instead of labeling it. Labeling, okay, let's go back. Instead of labeling most of the world as addicts, because most of the world's codependent. It's what makes the world go around, really. You know, you think it's marriage? Why does it have a 50% divorce rate? Why aren't people falling in love and staying in love? It's a failure. It's a flip of a coin because it starts wrong because nobody's teaching us how to do it right. It's time to give people the tools to untangle themselves from this web or from these weaves and thorns, which catches everyone in his grip at one time or another. This can be done by giving new jobs to the, we call it contaminated characters, those contaminated aspects of the infamous threesome of characters that perpetuate this dysfunctional pattern, the rescuer, victim, and perpetrator. It is a perpetrator, but it's a persecutor, we're going to call it. We can then resolve it by turning them around and getting them to act in the highest aspect of their characteristics, which includes, but is not limited to, the persecutor becoming the protector. And that's about as far as we have gone so far. So this might be a good time to actually take our first break. And when we come back, we can come back with Asha Lightbearer, 
together with me and I'm going to again go through my little flashcards is what I've made to show how the cycle works. And then we're going to go through a little scenario and Ash is going to help me and you'll see it in a really fun little way. Okay. I am making a little mess of my table here uh, <laughs> and ruining the, the video by shaking the table. The computer's on. I've broken the fourth uh, wall. Uh-oh. Okay. So this is Debbie Andrevin with Love the Voices on Bold Brave TV. I will see you in a minute. Thank you very much. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to EasySense.com and learn how, with your help, we can fight these horrific brain disorders. That's EasySense.com to learn more and help support the Broderick Foundation. Hello, this is Debbie Unterman again with Love the Voices on Bold Brave TV network streaming in many many places and hopefully you are with me and i am going to introduce asha lightbearer who is with me today so hello asha hey Yay. thanks for having me back sure you've been very kind and uh very helpful i think to keep this a conversation because it, it really helps you know i listen back to the shows and you add some great points and you keep me on track. So um, let's do a little repeat of what I've been trying to go very slowly through for the last four weeks. This is number five. So in case we have new people or for the ones that are joining, I think the more that we do this, the, the better. Because even with my clients, just because I teach them doesn't mean they get it. It means they have an aha. And then to keep that aha, we have to keep going through it and break it down. And today we're going to do some fun breaking it down and just showing what it looks like in real life because that's the way it works. And it's once that light bulb goes off in your head and you start seeing it. In fact, I had one student named Bill Stampler who came into the class and was the, the skeptic of the universe, you know, just like he'd sit there with his arms crossed. He's this big guy. I think he has like a bull mastiff or something, dog, good match for, you know, and all of a sudden I do the codependency cycle and he turns on, he becomes the star student, my star assistant, who was just a bulldog with pulling out especially saboteurs from my students, they'd go see him and they called it getting stamped from Bill Stampler because he became so good. And it was the key 
was the codependency cycle. And that's what I want everybody to know. This is a key out of the whole of the whole universe. I'm bringing it down to a triangle, just three. And if you can get that, this is the seed that is the key to happiness, really. So let's let's start because so many of us are caught in this web of codependency. And who gets us in? It is the rescuer that gets us in because of that hand going outside of herself, always looking for who needs her, who needs something from her because she's fine on her own and she can help everybody. And I call it a she because girls are brought up to do that. You know, they get handed the baby, they get handed the babysitting jobs, they get handed all the chores. So we're going to call it a she. Okay. Um, then I want to go a little deeper into her. So I want to tell people that she can have other names that you might call her. And we figured out if I put this a little closer to my face, oh, it's really hard because then I can't read. Okay. I can read them. It's rescuer and pleaser and nice guy, the caregiver, the dutiful daughter, the yes man, and the good Samaritan. And the hidden agenda. If I love you, you'll love me. And it still is looking fuzzy. I don't know how to get that fixed. But anyway, um, that's a little bit more about the rescuer. It is this, you know, in a in a best world, in a perfect world, it should be that way. It should be, I'm going to be a Girl Scout, a Boy Scout. I'm going to do good deeds. I'm just going to do good for the world. I'm, I'm going to save the dolphins. I'm, you know, I'm going to save all the the puppies, you know, um, it, you know, and you should be rewarded for it, but instead you're not. So what happens instead is, oh no, I lost it. So I lost the victim. I'm going to have to grab that during a break. Instead, we go into, oh good, you've got your victim. Yes. That is that bottom right side of the triangle. And I have a little bit more about it here. And can you read some of those? Sure. So the victim is the body and it's the wounded child that we're talking about right now, which is accidents and illnesses, depression, headaches, back aches, stomach aches, divorce, getting fired, getting robbed, colds, flus, allergies, addictions, illnesses, cancer, arthritis, workaholism, loneliness, helplessness, and hopelessness. That's the victim, the the downside of the victim. Yeah. And that poor victim is Mm -hmm. basically left to fend for itself. You know, it might be crying help, but it might just be crying. Mm -hmm. It might not even know how yet to ask for help because that's going to be a big part of the solution. So what happens next, and this is like night follows day, is because the rescuer is so busy going out, taking care of everything and everybody else, 
and not listening to her inner victim, which we are saying is also the wounded child, not just the inner child, the wounded part of the inner child. And if you remember from chapter five, when I did the child, I talked about the wounded child, the adapted child and the magical child. The adapted child is every one of the subpersonalities that I have gone through in the book. Um, that's the adaptations that we make. And the magical child is nowhere to be found at this point. And because of that, we, it, it makes us, you know, not just sad, but sometimes angry, sometimes angry at others, sometimes angry at ourselves. And that leads us to persecutor, the judge, the rebel and self-judgment. So it is the only time in life, because if you've been following along when I did the judge at chapter three, that was the first character we went into. That is an mm -hmm. intellectual character. Talk about the triumvirate of the judge, which is the judge, the guru, preacher guru, and the skeptic cynic, which is what I was saying. Bill started off as, you know, kind of judgmental sitting there like that. So usually the judge and rebel are diametrically opposed, but here we find them on the same side. How does that happen? Because we might just turn into, you know, join a gang, be, be a real rebel, um, and we might turn into a bully. But most likely, a good codependent will self-judge. They will, instead, it will turn almost into a self-sabotage. And that rebellion can be part of, you know, getting into drugs or, or bad gangs of friends or stuff that gets you in trouble. So then after that, after getting in trouble or self-persecuting by telling yourself how stupid you are, you go back into being a good girl or boy. You know, you want to be loved. That is still the MO, to be loved. You know, if you join a gang of bad kids, you're being loved. <laughs> Maybe you're being loved by the wrong kid, but you're being loved. It's better to belong. So that is the problem with the cycle and this is just the cycle rescuer victim persecutor rescuer victim persecutor round and round and round now we get into the solution and it starts off by knowing that the flip side of the persecutor if you see the face it's the same face but this time it's a more of a protector, a warrior protector that knows how to say no, sets limits and boundaries, and begins the ending of the cycle. But we, I like to ask this question when I do these, these teachings, lectures, or classes, and I like to ask people, and you're not allowed to answer because I had to even say that to you in class. Asha, you can't answer because you know the answer, especially when you came to assist. Because <laughs> you're always like, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm going to ask it to the audience. Who 
is it that gets us out of the cycle? And so I'll put the cycle back up. You know it has three characters, a rescuer, a victim, and a persecutor. And when I ask that question, it's not always forthcoming. Who gets us out? So Asha, tell them now who what and if I why. Choose, what if I choose the wrong one? Um, <laughs> I think it's the child. It's the victim because they learn how to, they find a way to really, I'm going to say that because I know that's, that's correct. But technically also it's learning to listen to the victim and hear what oh, they're communicating. You're, you're beyond, you're beyond, you're beyond. Okay. The first step would be the first step of the 12 steps. I am powerless in and of myself. Help! That's the first step. So I have new flashcards that I made. And step one is that victim slash body, wounded child, who, and I forgot to have the help coming out of her mouth. I already had it in this but other one where I have her saying help. But that is the necessary first step. It is the victim. But it doesn't always come out. The trick is, and what makes it so tricky, is that it doesn't always come out as a help from their mouth. It can be a broken arm or a wrist. It can be the body giving all these symptoms that it's not connected. So it's not just the ability of the child to speak up verbally for themselves. That's why all of those other things. And I think that's what makes this not so obvious most of the time. The thing is, people can get the flu. Yeah. They can have two broken feet. Yeah. They can be laid up in bed and they can still not ask for help. They can be pissed off. They can just be like, I want to get up. I hate lying down. This is bull. You know, I'm an active person. I hate this. Why don't I, you know, and they can persecute themselves. Right. Why right. did I break my feet? Why did I, I know somebody right now with two broken feet, uh, legs, whatever. And, you know, why did I do that? And they can keep ruminating in their mind and be mad at themselves and continue the cycle, continue mm -hmm, yeah. persecuting themselves. They haven't asked for help. I'm saying the universe gives them these as a clue because that's the knock, you know, you get the knock on the door. And if it's just like a little cold or something, that's a pretty gentle knock. If you get knocked down by a bus and you end up in traction, that's a much heavier knock because you haven't listened and finally said, I need help. So it's the needing, asking for, and, oh, I forgot to write these, the great purposes, the, the, the good attributes of the victim mm -hmm. is that it asks for help and knows how to rest. So it can be laid up in traction and go, wow, what a good rest. You know, I'm not working anymore. I'm getting paid unemployment, whatever, disability. And um, I get to heal. And we, the rescuer will never, ever say that. No, no. And, and I think like what you're talking about, you know, the, the learning to ask, li like literally ask for help, you know, 
And then, of course, the other piece, setting boundaries and whatnot. But I think, I know, I know, I know. But the, the body, one. like, I can, I can look back at the time that I had the broken wrist when I first met yeah. you. And that was, that was me pushing it too far beyond the limits that I know I was tired. I knew it. I was skating. And I just kept pushing it. And I, it's not just the universe, I think, that brings it on you. I think, you know, the child needed a break. And exactly. I pushed myself until I got what I needed. It just wasn't a very happy way to do it. And and the 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 um, key is to put those dots, connect those dots, and then realize and say, okay, I screwed and up, then, and here's how and why. Yeah. And maybe even have gratitude and thank. I'm gonna say it is the universe, you know, because you can you can be grateful for yeah. the break. I was grateful. Or you could be pissed great. off about it. Yeah. So something intervenes. It's let, let's say it's an intervention, I'm saying, from the universe because you're not asking for it. You know? Self-sabotage will do that to you. I mean, it'll yeah. get you what you need in the most inappropriate or the only way it knows how. So, it happens. Yeah. yeah. But so, I'd rather not have a broken wrist. <laughs> so. Right. And. It hasn't broken again, right? No, no it, it will not. Again. Not that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've learned how to just rest. I have. You know, I call that a wellness day. Just stay yep. in bed, even if you're not sick. And that right. is listening and respecting your victim and saying, okay, if you're tired, we don't have to get up and do something today. Let's just have a cartoon day or something, you know, and listening to that child too. All right. So we've got three more steps to go. We also have that little scenario we're going to go through. And I think we might go through that first because I want to show it working. And that is still in the dysfunctional pattern. So let's take another minute break. We will be back with a fun little scenario. This is Debbie Unterin and Asha Lightbearer with Love their voices on Bold Brave TV. See you in a minute. Author, radio show host, and coach John M. Hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective, build confidence, find clarity, achieve goals. John M. Hawkins' new book, Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse. Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them, rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies, find settings that allow them to be the most productive, and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Hello, this is Debbie Unterman with Love the Voices. And I do have a guest with me today, so let's bring her on, Asha. Come on down. All right. So we have a fun little thing, and I have been doing all my cards uh, by hand, but Asha is a computer geek, so <laughs> as I've talked about before, so she was able to do it graphically for you. I knew she would, and she is going to show the cards of 
the rescuer victim and persecutor as I tell you a little story. So basically watch her and listen to me. Okay, so this is a scenario of a a very typical uh, way that the three characters would sound as they play out inside someone's head in real time. Imagine a woman in a working couple returning home from her job to prepare dinner and finding her boyfriend, who is the non-working type in the couple, sleeping on the couch. We can dissect her thoughts and divide them up into each subpersonality, talking in turn to illustrate how insidious and ingrained this pattern is. Remember when I did the last example a few minutes ago, I was doing it between two guys, right? About a wife. That was triangulation. And that's how it works between people. This is how it works inside one person's head very quickly. And you'll see how fast she's going to have to flash these cards, how fast they switch. Um, Okay. So her first, when she gets home, her first line to herself is all in her head is, oh, my poor sweetheart, bless his heart. Look at him, how tired he is. He must have had a hard day at work. I'm going to make a delicious meal. I bet he only ate fast food for lunch. Well, actually, I didn't even get a chance to eat my own lunch. I had an awfully draining day at work myself. My back is starting to hurt and my feet are killing me. I wish I could take a nap too but I have to cook or we'll never eat and I'm starving. Why is it he never helps me cook dinner? And then he leaves all the dirty dishes until I get sick of looking at them and I end up having to do them myself. I think I'll just eat a sandwich and leave him to fend for himself. If fast food is good enough for lunch, he can eat it for dinner too unless he gets his lazy butt up and cooks something. This is the third day this week. He's been asleep when I came home. He can starve for all I care. (laughs) And then inside her own head again to herself, you are so stupid to let yourself fall for this act from this guy. He's just using you like every other man You've been within your life, but like a good codependent. Oh, but I love him so much. And he looks so cute sleeping. I wanted to try out this new recipe. I know that he'll love. I don't really mind doing it. I can get it whipped up in no time. And if he tried helping, he'd just be in my way. Maybe tomorrow he'll take me out for dinner. And then, no, that's right. He says he's broke. Why can't I ever find a boyfriend, a rich boyfriend? (laughs) And then to herself again, you want to leave his sorry ass. In fact, you could just leave him on the couch and go out to eat by yourself or with a girlfriend and let him figure out what to eat. But because remember that we also have a lover romantic that gets us into the cycle. No, I've been 
been away all day and I really miss him. I want to have dinner at home with him. He'll wake up with the smell of food cooking and we can have a nice romantic evening afterward. Ta-da! So, how do you like that one? And Asha, I think when I told you that example, you said it comes from a movie. Yeah, that I just watched um, when we were talking about it last week. I just watched yeah. Fried Green Tomatoes, and I was like, "Wait, that's exactly the example." <laughs> uh, and it's so. If you want to see a great example, um, I forget the the woman's name, but Fried Green Tomatoes, old favorite movie, and uh, yeah, she learns, but it takes her a while, and she goes through all of these things, and it's 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 a um, a great movie. Uh, not all feel good, but it's delightful watching her get out her chutzpah and figure out who she is. Good, good. And you know what? I bet we could take almost any romance, yeah. like any rom-com, and yeah. we could figure these out and show them. And that's what I like to do uh, because it's, it's not easy. And that's why, so when I do the lecture, okay, I've done it all over the world since at least 1990, maybe a little before that, but I know I was in New Zealand doing it then. Um, it takes me from a half hour to 45 minutes to do the cycle, to write the two chapters in the book and break it all down into words that would be understandable took me four months. So far I've spent four hours, we're going on five hours to break it down here. So. I'm really trying to make it go slow so it can sink in. And let's take that example from the first time you were on and we were talking about the rescuer and you gave that example of your mother getting a, um, a meal at a, at a little restaurant. I think it was more fast food, right? Because you had to go up to the counter and you were how old? Little, like pretty little. Um... You know, I, I'm not sure exactly, but I know I was small, you know, probably eight, nine, wow. ten. And we had gone to a McDonald's and she had gotten a cold fish sandwich and I had ordered whatever I ordered. And we get back to the table and I'm eating mine and she opens hers. And I just remember that um, she she was unhappy that it was cold, but she wasn't going to do anything about it. She was just going to suck it up and eat it. And it, I got up like the dutiful daughter and I got up and I grabbed her sandwich and I went up to the counter and I told them it was cold and she needed a hot one and I brought it back for her. But of course, inside me, there was an entire whole, you know, mental gymnastics routine going on there. So, so this is, you know, this is what you said and it seems to make sense. But when I break it down, and this is how I need people to see how there is a difference between rescuing and protecting. Because rescuing is with like empathy and saying, oh, poor mommy, right? Mommy is like, vic she's victim. She's got a cold sandwich. She's victim. Okay, first, now, if you had first. been, 
Yeah, if you were really the rescuer, um, good girl, and what you said another thing. Um, yeah, you, you would have you would have been like, oh, poor mommy, you got a cold sandwich. But the way that I heard you say it was more like you grabbed the sandwich and you protected her. Whoop! The, you well, protected her by saying, no, you're not going to eat a cold sandwich. I'm going to go to the counter and be your hero protector, and I'm going to get you a new one. And except, then when you hand it to her, what? Well, except that at the beginning, I'm going to say that it probably was guilt motivated. And so there was, uh, it just goes so fast. Ooh, like, you know seconds. what? Guilt. You might have been like, oh no. Dinner's gonna suck now. Not Mommy for me. Has ruined. Yeah, it may no, be no, no, no. you're gonna watch her pout. No. Okay. No, but no. I want to go through microseconds. These can yeah, be in microseconds. 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 And in a microsecond, you might have thought, "Oh no, Mom got a bad sandwich. I'm gonna get a stomachache from eating my good sandwich." But knowing that she's gonna be whining and sad the whole time, so it could have turned your good sandwich into, you know. Oh no, this whole experience of going to McDonald's, which is really cool when you're a little kid, has now become kind of a bummer because mom got a cold sandwich. I'm just trying to break it down micro instances. And so then, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, so I think we have, uh, I think we have rescuer and victim too, because it's like, you know, because it was, and that, but it's victim that leans towards, it does lean towards, uh, I, I'm not going to say all protector. it's more persecutor because it's like the martyr me almost. It's like, <laughs> now I've got to take care of this for her, you know, because she won't do it for herself and I'm not going to let her eat a cold sandwich. So no. it wasn't really like, it wasn't completely, I'm going to save and rescue and protect my mom and all those noble things. It's more like, there's a pain in my ass and here's my, you know, but I would, I do have to put it in context. I was a goody two shoes. I was the good girl. I never did anything wrong. You know, I was very much straight and narrow all the time, but my mom didn't really stand up for herself in a lot of ways, a lot of times. And maybe when I was young, it, it, maybe I felt bad for her, but then it, it, you know, these things wear on over years and years. Right. And then you get disgusted with them and you get angry and you get angry about how it affects yep. your life, you know? And so there's just all these, yeah. Right. I'm yeah. maybe a little persecutor dominant sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I get her the sandwich because I know I can. And I'm going to say for me, I do count that partly as rescuing too. It's kind of like this hybrid in a way, because that is doing for somebody what they can do for themselves. She could have done that for right. herself. That is classic right. enabling. Classic. You know, and she might taught you to do that, you know, because she may have been more victim dominant, oh, which would yeah. make you both rescuer and protector. And persecutor. Yeah. Oh, that's to exactly what deal happened. with her. And that is something that we have not gotten into yet, but that is what happens when there are when there are missing pieces. So right. if mom is pure victim, someone has to fill in as her rescuer and 
her protector because let's go and that yeah she's gonna pull them in and this is why it is so deep and it's going to be able to go on and on talking about this and breaking it down for weeks but let's go through the steps um do i have another can we can we burn through this break christian i'm gonna ask if we could just go straight through because okay we got permission no more breaks okay so stay with me because we just did step one which is i didn't write it but it's help it is the victim the body the wounded child something's got to give and it says help and i really meant to write that okay step two and and I don't know if people are going to get this. We have been alluding to it now, trying to bite our tongue and not say it. Is that the protector has to stop the rescuer right. from going outside of herself and right. rescuing everybody else. But what I was saying when I said contaminated characters that have to learn to be reframed for their highest aspirations and self is that a rescuer wants to be good. It wants to rescue. It wants to take care of someone. Well, guess what? We got somebody that needs taken care of. So we give her a new job. This Mm -hmm. is so important Mm -hmm. that once, and, and again, you can't leave this out. Once the protector has stopped set a limit because that's what the protector does and i've got that somewhere here let's see if i can find my boundaries and limits yeah Yeah. the protector's job is to say no set limits and boundaries and so what it does with its self is saying no more going outside and saving all the puppies and joining the PTA and and doing all the bake sales. You can't keep doing that. You've got somebody right inside of you. And this is where we bring in the stuffed animal. This is why for 43 shows right now, I've been ending by saying, hug your inner child. You've got to love your inner child. And this is the method behind my madness is because it will get you out of codependency. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. And then it becomes an innocent victim. Instead of a wounded child and your body falling apart, you all of a sudden, and do you remember one time on the phone, Asha, you and I were on the phone and we're going, "What's, what's another word? What's another word for victim? What can we do? What's what's a word? What's a word? And all of a sudden I go, well, wait a minute. When people go to courts, they're either the innocent party or or the guilty party. They're the innocent one. I can't believe it took us that long, but it finally came to us. And that is what we call it now, an innocent victim. And it goes from the wounded child because it's in the arms of a loving rescuer who is no longer ignoring that child how many times do you see moms in a grocery store or a park or something they they're all distracted they're on their phone or they're talking to somebody you know another person at the dog park or something and the kid is tugging 
at their dress or their, you know, their leg, their pants or something going, mommy, 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 mommy. And they're not doing anything about it. They're too busy outside. All you got to do is say, what, honey? And that turns little kids from victims to the magical child. And then when we, this, so that was step three. Step four is where the cycle stops going around. So Mm -hmm. let's look again. The codependency cycle, like the merry-go-round, like the three blind mice are chasing each other's tails. You see the arrows. They're going round and round and round. And where it stops, nobody knows because it doesn't stop. It is a cycle. It is not an addiction. This is my big teaching for the world. Codependency is not an addiction. You're not addicted. We can't. We Love is why we're here. We're here in the world for love. People are just going about it all wrong. And this is the beginning. And we're not even going to be able to get to the full ending. But this is the beginning of the healing is when those arrows stop going around and the rescuer and the protector go all towards that child who is innocent, who can become the magical child and this word vulnerable. So if we want Mm -hmm. a V word, if we were looking for the V word, that would be, you know, a lot of people say from victim to victor especially probably in the sexual abuse world. But I'm saying the V word that most people think is almost a dirty word. Vulnerable. No, no, no. I can't be vulnerable. I'll get hurt. Yes, you can. You can be vulnerable if you're in someone's arms. And if the protector is setting that line in the sand and saying, no, 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 you can't hurt this little innocent child because she's mine. I'm taking care of her. I'm protecting her. She can be vulnerable and turn into your authentic self. That word, authenticity, have you been hearing it like in in all the gurus talking about how to be a good speaker? Have you heard that people just throw around this? Be authentic, be authentic, be authentic. You can't be authentic if you're so concerned with like your looks and all the things that Madison Avenue wants you to buy and have and put on your face and not have any flaws. I mean, I have got a horrible skin problem and yet I can smile through it and I can be my authentic self and not have to hide and say, oh no, I got holes in my skin. I can't do that. No, don't anyone look at me. I can put myself on camera. I thought I had a face for radio. I didn't think I could put myself on camera. But when you can get out and start loving yourself, you can have flaws and you can be your authentic, vulnerable self. So I know we are at a two minute mark and probably less than that. So I want to give you a word to add here. We made I think, it. I think that's a great place to stop. I mean, I really love this, uh, the idea of being 
authentic and vulnerable when you you're stopping that cycle and you can be your own protector and your own rescuer and and it's not just for you it will set the tone for others around you and help them to heal as well i mean it really changes the world when you do it for yourself so this Ooh, is a great place to stop that's a good one because you get off of that seesaw forever and off of that merry-go-round homie don't play codependency no more right you know that's the thing is and and the people stop being attracted to you because they know you won't play with them and they find other people to play codependency with so that is a good point <clears throat> this can change how the world goes around and it can make it different and believe it or not even though you might think i've said it all and we came to the end it's not yet the end there's more <laughs> so asha maybe you will come back next week and we can go into more because can you believe how we only touched what we thought we were going to talk about so if you have time next week we'll see um we'll i see. am inviting you and, yeah. i'm not sure right now i'll let you know okay okay i can understand that you have given me a lot of your time i appreciate it thank you very much it's been fun playing with you it is fun thank you thank you for having me sure so we we came to at least the beginning of the end this is at least telling you that there is a way to stop it but the tease is there's more there's it's more really good it's really good okay so this is debbie and asha signing off saying and you probably don't have your animal with you your little child to always hug your own inner child rescue her give her the love that she has been asking for listen you mentioned that listen and that is very important listen to her she's talking to you don't make her break a leg or a wrist to, to speak to you give her a voice give her your ear. This is Debbie Unterman again, signing off on Love the Voices on Bold Brave TV. See you next Thursday. Bye. This has been Love the Voices with host Debbie Unterman. Tune in each week as Debbie will keep you engaged, enlightened, and entertained as she delves into cutting edge topics and challenges widely held beliefs. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave TV Network.